Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to take this moment to say thank you for listening to the Real Rescue Podcast. It means a lot to me that you enjoy these stories as much as I do. Since the start of this podcast, we've had a lot of support from all over the world. It has been amazing. Now, we have companies joining our team that also want to say thank you for all that you are doing out there standing the watch. These companies are offering discounts on their products as a way to support the rescue community and those tuning into the Real Rescue Podcast. Just go to therealrescue.com, click on Sponsors, and see these incredible offers for yourself. This episode of the Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Axness, because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, Clear communication is of the utmost importance. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And Airwave, the Airwave Performance Mouthpiece, helping you to use breathing to your advantage. Breeze Eastern, they dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Axness PNG Wireless ICS System can bring cutting-edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere, at any time, on any aircraft. Plus, with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise-canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Axness PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircrafts worldwide. I have personally used the Axness system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at axness.com. That's A-X-N-E-S dot com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help your helicopter training. They train daytime, nighttime, aerial firefighting, hoist, longline, fast rope, rappel, and more. They can assist your program with standardization and safety checks or just an FAA annual refresher. With a certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew, they are ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. Plus, right now, SR3 is offering 10% off anything in their web store with the promo code, all capital letters, REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Plus, they are offering another 10% from their partners, Petzl, and their equipment, all you got to do is send an email to info at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Mention this podcast and they'll take care of the rest. And Airwave. What if I told you that you could train harder for longer 
and recover faster just by wearing a mouthpiece. I know, I questioned it too. Then I gave it a try. The Airwave Performance Mouthpiece is a breakthrough in performance technology that is scientifically proven with over 15 years of peer-reviewed published research at the Citadel to open your airway by 25% for improved breathing, resulting in a 20% decrease in respiratory rate, an increase in muscular endurance, and 50% reduction in cortisol levels post-workout. Now, what does this mean to me? Well, now I'm able to train harder, recover faster, and be even more prepared for when that SAR alarm goes off. You don't need to take my word for it. Try it yourself and see how you can use your breathing to your advantage. Go to airwave.com or visit them on Instagram at airwave to learn more about it. Then, when you're ready to give it a try, because you heard about it here at The Real Rescue, you get 10% off with the promotion code Real Rescue, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Coming up in this episode of The Real Rescue, we are joined by our first guest from Arizona. He comes to us from stories of like High Mountain, down in the valley, going into another state. The stories are freaking awesome. So from Arizona DPS, please welcome our next guest, Mr. Michael Allen. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, right. welcome back to The Real Rescue again. All right, this time we've got a guy He's from, well, you're from Arizona. Are you from Arizona? Yeah, born and raised Arizona. Nice. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure I got that one right. From Arizona, currently working with the Arizona DPS, which is Department of Public Safety. Yes. Yeah? Okay, got to make sure I got that one right. Jeez, oh, man. Nailed anyway, it. Mr. Michael Allen. What's up, dude? What's up, man? Thanks for having dude. me. Dude, thank you for coming on. Um, I've actually been in touch with a bunch of you guys down there, like Dave Marama and Kanan and now you. And, you know, I had an opportunity to come down and train and work with you guys for a little bit with Priority One. So this was kind of a, it was only a matter of time before I was going to get one of you guys on here. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't you know, know you were down here training with uh, with us, with Priority One. I, it was, it was like aware. the first couple classes. So me, okay. Will Milam, uh, Joe, um, oh my gosh, Joe Martin and Dan Cassetti. And oh, there was a whole bunch of us, that, but that's how I know Sharon. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sharon's oh, great. Sharon. Yeah. So <laughs> dude, welcome to the show, man. I'm so pumped. Thank you. Thank you for yeah, having yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. So, um, I guess let's get started and give us a little background, a little bit about you, uh, born and raised in Arizona. Got that. How did you get into Arizona DPS and what brought you to search and rescue? Okay. So everybody thought I was a fool, but, uh, so I was in the fire service. <laughs> wow. For, that's a great way to start it. <laughs> they did. I mean, I was, uh, I was in the fire service for 15 years. You know, I started, uh, in Oh four, uh, in Nevada and, um, you know, that's where I got my first fire job. And then, 
eventually made my way back to Arizona uh, after I got married and everything. And I got settled into one of the fire departments here in the Phoenix area, uh, doing real well, loved it, promoted up the ranks, um, you know, was in the captain's seat. And uh, speaking of Sharon, uh, the agency that I worked for was, you know, we had the fire department and then we had the EMS side and Sharon worked on the EMS side. She was one of the EMS battalion chiefs and she had left um, to become a state trooper. And uh, you know how like against I, all uh, firefighters like that, that's just that sort of thing. Right. It, it, like, right. <laughs> usually it's the other way. Right. Yeah, totally. Totally. Oh, I can't stop <laughs> I'm going to go be a fireman. <laughs> Well, I run into Sharon at the gym one day and uh, I said, Hey, Sharon, what's up? How's, uh, you know, how's DPS treating you and everything? And she's like, Oh, it's amazing. You'll never guess. I'm in air rescue. And I'm like, air rescue. I didn't even realize DPS had air rescue, you know, (laughs) and uh, little quick background about me. I love aviation and I've always been interested in like a, a technical rescue type job in aviation, but you know, you get into the fire department. If you didn't happen to get on one of these giant departments in the country that has its own helicopters, which are very few and far between, it's pretty much out of the question. And, uh, I was just like, I didn't, I had no idea they had it. She's like, it's amazing. It's so awesome. She's like, you should come do it. Like, Oh yeah, just come on over. Right. Like, you know, (laughs) like I'm just going to walk right in. and uh she she was like well actually we're kind of in a weird position where we have very little medics in the agency as a whole and to get into air rescue you have to be a medic or a pilot and a state trooper so she's like and we're growing so it would be a really good time to come over you know and i'm like oh yeah i don't know about that but (laughs) it, it nestled in my brain you know yeah where it, it just kind of wedged itself in there and I kept thinking about it kept thinking about it to the point where it's keeping me up at night and I I kept talking to my wife about it and she was kind of like well maybe you should just go do a ride along so I I called Sharon I said hey this is like four months after we had this conversation I said hey I, I'd like to maybe do a ride along she's like yeah come on over and so I went over there the day I did my ride along it was uh Angela Rose and Jake Arnold were the crew on duty and at that time, we only did two-man crews because they were in the, the smaller aircraft, the 407. So I did a ride, ride along with them. They took me flying, and I came home that night, and I told my wife, I'm like, I think I'm going to apply. Like, I'm going to apply to be a state trooper. And my wife was kind of like, wow, I was really hoping that you were going to hate <laughs> flying. <laughs> you know? Uh. And she was like, you worked your whole career to become a fire captain and all this stuff. And now you're just going to give all that up. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, if I get hired, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring, you know? So she was like, Bro, okay. that's awesome. Yeah. She, well, you know, what's funny. She was like, what about our quality of life? You're going to go through another Academy. What about the pay? I'm like, well, I'm going to take a huge pay cut. Cause I'm going to go from captain to state trooper, like base pay. And, uh, I had I had a brand new 2015 King Ranch F250 diesel. Oh my Har- god! A Harley Street Glide and a new toy hauler. I'm like, I'm gonna sell them. I go, the payments <laughs> on those will make up for the pay cut, and then we'll figure it out. You know, she's like, okay, 
that's what you want to do. But she's like, she goes, I'm not moving. So if you get stuck going like assigned to highway patrol up in like four corners, I ain't going. So you're on your own, you know, (laughs) like, you know what? Good for her. Be a blunt out there. Right. Boom. That's how it's going to roll. A hundred percent. She, she was totally supportive, but she was like, here's my line. Right. That's it. Sounds like my wife. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay. So. I apply, go through the process, end up getting hired. And um, I'm like, yeah, we're doing this. So here I am thinking two to three years, maybe more in highway patrol before I can get enough seniority to go over to air rescue. Um, We're towards the end of the seven month academy. At the end of the academy, they make assignments. And um, I'd worked really hard in the academy to be able to have you know to be at the top of the class so that i could pick where i would go making sure that i wouldn't get assigned four corners you know or i could stay (laughs) near my house i wouldn't have to move yeah so i knew i was getting the spot that i put in for well they came in to make assignments to everybody they never assigned me anything and i was like oh man they accidentally skipped me i'm gonna get screwed you know? I'm going to four corners. My wife isn't coming with me. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so my sergeant then has this pause and gets this shit eating grin on his face. He's like, who, who didn't I assign? You know? And I'm like, yeah, it's me. He goes, Oh, Alan, nonchalantly, you're going to air rescue. And, uh, he's like, by the way, you have to do field training and pass it first. So you'll do that in Metro South, which is on the southeast side of uh, the Phoenix Valley where I lived and it was not an option for an assignment. He was kind of like, yeah, they don't want to put you in a a district that has openings and then take you out of a, a open spot. So they're just going to put you in a full district with a field trainer. And as long as you pass, then you're going to go to air rescue. And I was just like speechless. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's and amazing. I love they it. Were like, they were then were like, I don't know how you pulled this off, man, but nobody's ever been assigned into a specialty unit at the academy ever. And uh, from what I hear, like, you know, it had to go up the chain and everything, but they ended up having an open spot in their rescue that they decided was a critical need to fill. And they had nobody to fill it. There's no medics eligible. Nobody's putting in for it. So I just right time, man. I got super, super, super lucky. And uh, everybody oh, thought man. I was nuts. Everyone thought I was nuts. Like, you're going to get screwed. You're never going to make it to air rescue. They're going to put you in highway patrol, all the things. I heard it from everybody. And I'm like, no, man, I'm I'm getting there. I'm doing this, you know. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, walk out of the academy with the air rescue assignment and did uh, field training in three months, finished it, and straight to air rescue for training in air rescue. So that was in uh, – I got hired in uh, October of 17 seven month academy and then three months of field training so literally by you know the end of 18 i'm in air rescue wow training yeah on a four-month uh, training pipeline yeah oh. it was wild it was cool they gave me a couple weeks off so i could take vacation because we were like you know after all the training it was seven months and then three months and they're like yeah you could take a few weeks off because i had another uh four months of uh air rescue training to do after that so it was wild, but it was, it was so fun. It, it was a pain in the ass a lot of the times, but, you know, coming from fire, you know, I was 36 when I switched over and I was like, I knew the game, 
you know, I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm getting paid to learn and work out and all this stuff. So you just got to kind of put that in the back of your mind. And it's the young kids always getting us in trouble in the Academy, you know, with no life experience. I'm like, you guys got to stop doing this dumb stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it was a pain, off. but yeah, it was a pain, but it was a good time. It was a real good time. Oh, so that's good. Awesome, anyway, that's man. how I got in. And uh, it was, it was, I think I give Sharon a lot of credit for that, you know, so uh, I like Sharon. Anyway. She was in one of my training classes. That's how I know her. And, and you know, I, I know you guys, we already talked about this, but I'm going to say it again because it's funny to me. So she is a diehard Eagles fan, diehard. So, oh, yeah. I walked up to her as soon as I found that out and I just kind of whispered to her, I was like, go New England Patriots. And I walked away. Just like, <laughs> I, I hate you. I, we're, I, we're no longer friends. If, if I had a gun, I'd, oh, wait, I do. And I was like, oh, whoa, whoa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love she's her. a firecracker. Yeah, she's yeah. she's a lot of fun. She's really, yeah. really good. That's so, awesome. That's good. Yeah, and it's, it's fun being able to work with her now because we're at the same base, you know. Oh, cool. Like we that. have a blast. Yeah, it's really cool. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, kind of run, it, run me through a little bit of your training. Like, what are you guys doing currently? So when you showed up to the unit to go through, four, you said four months of training? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we have a, a training pipeline. It's actually changed since I started. But then all of our aircraft, other than one, we did short haul, repel and short haul operations out of a Bell 407. Sick. So a lot of fun. So, you know, the pipeline starts with like um, just getting to know the aircraft and all the medical gear and things like that. And then you go into like a tower day where you're doing basic repelling and setting up the, the same repel system we'd set up on the 407 out of a tower, getting used to that. And then, um, and then eventually, you know, going to setting up the system on the aircraft, um, setting up the belly strap and the ropes and all that. Um, and then you end up, they put us through technical rescue, uh, rope rescue school. Um, Sweet. and then, they, yeah, so TRT school and then swift water rescue school. And then, um, you start getting into like repelling out of the aircraft, you know, live repel operations, live short haul operations and a, and a bunch of just, uh, evolutions of that, um, all while on the job. So, you know, as you're, you're working with a crew who's fully capable and you're running calls and then you get to calls and some stuff, you can't do it because you're not far enough in the pipeline yeah. or checked off, you know? And so you got to see the stuff live, which was cool. So they would drop you off and then do the rescues, you know, and you kind of got to watch it and you're just like, man, it, it keeps you motivated. That's for oh, sure. It's like, I want to do that Dude, so I bad. You know? <laughs> you know, you get this, like you're watching guys get short hauled on a rescue and you're like, what if this is the last short haul call ever? You know, like I missed my opportunity. Like you want to do it so bad that you kind of feel that way sometimes, you know, oh my God. <laughs> but, uh, so not, so put me in coach, put me in. I can do it. I know. Exactly. I can. Exactly. What if they never go to the super bowl again? I'm not even yeah. here playing. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, bro. it was awesome, awesome. so it was cool. awesome all 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 bell 407 training um and at that time it was it was uh kingman flagstaff and tucson bases all were in 407s uh doing the the um, repel short haul program and then phoenix was in the hoist aircraft and they were new yeah. to the hoist aircraft and, and that's um, the 429 that you guys are flying yeah yep. still 
the 429. And uh, when the 429 would go down for maintenance, they would get a 407 and go back to the to that program. So they were duly trained. Cool. So, yeah. Right. And now the program's changed. All our new hires are going into hoist school because now we have three 429s and two 407s um, as backups. But, you know, everybody's transitioning to uh, hoist. hoist. Yeah. Cool. Are, so, you still be, are you still required to do both rappel and short haul as well as hoisting? So, so we we aren't at our base um and i don't know how long tucson is going to be doing it I, in fact they're they're so focused on hoisting they probably won't be either kingman and flagstaff will maintain a more current routine with the uh, rappel and short haul yeah. but if if for some reason we get a 407 assigned to us you know um in phoenix we can quickly take the whole crew and go out a, for a day and get current so we'll just re-up everybody's currency in a day and then we'll be in service. Uh, but the way we're going, it's probably really not going to happen, to be honest. With three, four 29s, what, what's more likely to happen is if Tucson or us go down, they'll move the brand new one from Flagstaff to one of to wherever it's needed and we'll just stay yeah. hoist. It's just the capabilities with the hoist are ridiculous. You know, it's oh, so yeah. much. So. But I like options. Like I, and I love the fact that you have an option to propel and short haul. I love oh, it. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, repelling out of a helicopter for the guys yeah. who've never got to do it. And I know there's a lot out there who, who haven't gotten to short haul and they haven't got to repel. It's badass. So it much fun. Sick. Yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> it's so much fun. So I'm Jonesy just thinking about it right now. Like, Oh, come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it's uh, so fun. Yeah. So. so cool, man. Very cool. So you get through all your training and yeah, everybody's got a first rescue. Come on, Michael. What do yeah. you got? Yeah. So, okay. Every time, you know, it's like, what's your first rescue? It's like, okay, I got like three different rescues that come to mind. So you have, the rescue that was like the first real rescue I got to see while I was in training and help with a little bit. And then there was my first rescue after training where I got to do the cool stuff. And then there was like, okay, I'm out, out of training. I don't have a partner and I'm at my assigned base and I, and I get my first real rescue, like totally solo, solo medic, solo pilot. You know what I mean? So okay. I think getting into all three of those would probably be good. Let's um, roll, dude. I love right. this, man. <laughs> so first rescue was in training. It was during monsoon season in Arizona. We have a, a really cool canyon. We have lots of canyons in Arizona, uh, but there's a canyon called Aravipa. And um, Aravipa gets, you know, hikers and campers. They usually do two or three day trips to this canyon. So I'm coming on duty in the morning. I'm in, I'm in Tucson. That's where I did all my, um, training at uh so i'm in tucson i'm actually on my way to tucson driving up i-10 from phoenix get a call from my trainer he's like hey how far out from the base are you i'm like yeah like 15 minutes he's like okay i'm 30 minutes out there's a rescue in air Vipa canyon there's supposed to be like 11 people trapped with flood water um uh and i'm like okay awesome he's like he goes i'm behind you away so get all the gear ready get everything ready to go and so we can go as soon as i get in i said okay copy that so get to the base, get all the gear. He gets there. We head out. Um, because there were so many people reported, um, Phoenix 
was also assigned to it. So they were going to meet us there. So we had two helicopters going, both 407s. So at the mouth of the canyon is this little, there's like a couple little ranch houses with some property. So we land in one of their fields um, and start making a plan. So first thing first is we strip the 407s down with no doors. You know, we're going to be down in this canyon, so we want as much weight off the aircraft, as much power as possible when we're flying down in the canyon so we can get out if we need to. And we're going to, like, figure out where everybody is and what the situation is. So we start we start flying the canyon, start finding these people. All right, making a plan to get them out. So what we decide to do is set up both aircraft for um, short haul. And we're going to fly in repel a rescue specialist in to like the first group of people and then one helicopter will fly he'll fly in short haul somebody out and then like a circle just flying in and short hauling out and the rescue specialist on the ground just hooking people up as they come right and there was there was like three different groups so we start doing that. What I got to do was help set everything up and then as the short hauls came in I got to take people off the short haul line. Just at the command post. Okay, that's okay. That's that's it's totally. Awesome. Awesome. It was awesome. I'm like, this is so cool, right? Um, <laughs> but but one of the RSs got to fly on the line. In two of them actually, um, got to ride the line for like eleven short hauls in a row. You know, that's that's awesome. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, yes. That is yeah, freaking badass, dude. I love yeah, it. Yeah, so cool. Um, so anyway. We, we did that. And then as we started pulling people out, uh, we were trying to match people up to vehicles in the parking lot. And we found that there was actually not 11 people. There were 16. There was a family of five. Um, oh. A park ranger had come up and, and was they had a log of everybody who was permitted to be in there. And they're like, yeah, we're missing a, 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 a husband and wife and three kids. We hadn't found them yet. <laughs> and so... We had to start flying in there. We ended up finding them. We ended up getting them out. Same same type of plan. Um, but what had what, one of the things that happened is one of these groups. There was a group of three. Um, they were like young twenties, and they had made their way up this like pinnacle, this peak, to get out of the water. Because the whole canyon floor flooded, by the way. So everybody was like scrambling and trying to stay in these places. One guy had a like. There was on a ledge all night while it was raining and a boulder hit him in the head and he got stung oh. by a scorpion, oh. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. So these are like, not only are patients like they're cold, you know, dehydrated, hypothermic, but some of them were injured, injured and stung. <laughs> oh my so we're, we're, we're also setting up, you know, triage for all these people and everything. But anyway, uh, these three people have kind of scrambled up this mountain the plan was just to do a hover ingress egress on them. And they were the last to come out because they were in the safest position. And they were like, Mike, do you want to get inserted on this and help load them onto the aircraft? And I'm like, yes, yes, let's go. You know, yeah. I was so stoked. Yeah. So, and I, what was funny is I may, at the time, I wasn't even trained on hover ingress egress yet. <laughs> <laughs> So we come hovering into this ledge, you know, my, my trainer's like talking me through the whole thing. I'm like, yeah, I got this. I got this. We're good. So I jump out of the helicopter. I help get them on board. You know, we do 
do one, take him out, come back, get the last two, take them, and then they come pick me up. You know, and after that, I was just like on cloud nine. You know, it was uh, it was awesome. And then he, my trainer was like, I don't know if we should have done that. <laughs> you know, like I forgot we hadn't really trained you on this yet. I'm like, ah, it's fine. Oh <laughs> but it was good. Yeah. Oh, so. Man. Fast forward a couple months, I get done with training. Um, I get I get checked off. All right, Mike's good to go. He's he's allowed to do everything. Literally the next shift, I come in and we get a call for like a eighteen uh, year old kid. He's on the back of Mount Lemon. Uh, he shot a deer on a hunt and he's tracking it, and he falls into like a a ravine and breaks his leg. And it's in thick trees and bushes, so. Only way in is to repel in and only way out is a short haul. So the very next day after I get signed off, I get to do about a 60 foot repel in and a three and a half a mile short haul out. It was awesome, man. Holy shit. Full pet bag, broken leg, got to, you know, go repel in with all my gear, treat him up, splint his leg, you know, give him an IV, give him drugs. And then, and then we fly out on a, on a short haul for three and a half miles and they bring us like, you know, out of the mountains and the sheriff's office had blocked off this road. And it's like all these, like a line of, I'm coming in, like hanging under the helicopter, you know, on a 150 foot short haul line. And, and uh, I'm just like, there's a line of cars for like a mile in each direction. And they're all just watching me get dropped with this patient in the middle of this intersection. I'm like, this is so awesome. Dude. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was cool it was that was that was really really cool um so we land you know they lower us down we turn him over to the fire department guys for transport and everything uh and that was like my first rescue after after being officially signed off and trained and then fast forward a little bit well later. actually hold on one second okay. I, I got a couple questions about that one so for oh, yeah, those yeah. That don't, okay. now Mount Lemon uh, in Arizona, it, that's up at like 10,000 feet at the top, off the top of my head. It, it's pretty close. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think it's I, around nine, nine. Something. Right, so the only reason I know this is because we were up there, myself and Will Milam. Oh, here we go. Uh, so 9,171 feet in elevation. So it's, it's like cold up there. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because this, this dude goes up there and gets hurt, falls down in the canyon. You're like maxing out the aircraft in power. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So do you do you remember how what the altitude was when you guys went up there to drop in to repel in? I don't I don't remember what the the altitude or the density altitude was at that time. Okay. Um, I also probably was still so new that I've been like, huh? <laughs> 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 to be yeah, honest, okay even that. though that's cool. even that's though cool. that's one of the first things we learn, you know, when when we yeah. start training. Yeah, but, it doesn't click though. It's just it's not yeah. there yet. <laughs> um however, you do bring to mind another rescue. It's funny how you forget everything. But uh-huh. we just had a a really significant rescue up there, um, which I was the SO for. Um, and it was at night. And so it was SO almost, would be hoist operator. It's actually systems operator, but yes, that's, that's the hoist operator guy. Got you. Correct. I was so I was the hoist operator for this, and this was at about mid eight thousand feet in the middle of the night in the winter in the snow. Holy, oh my gosh! Uh, and it was uh, that was a 
five. We did five uh, hoists, five people, and two dogs on that rescue. It was oh, gnarly. Man. And it was what? a gnarly one. Yeah. So okay, I totally wait a minute. I, let, let, we're gonna come back to that one too. We're gonna come back and totally let me go okay. back to the first okay. one. All right. So your second rescue, first one, you repel 60 feet in, right? Yeah, you're on deck, you're in now the ravine with the hunter, broken leg. So the pet bag, patient extrication package, it's a it's a bag. Uh there's a Beaumont bag, there's a Terramont bag, there's a whole bunch. It's a it's kind of like a it's an enclosed litter. So you go down with Correct. backboard, full yep. med gear. You smoke this guy with some good drugs. Yeah, full traction. Little, little fentanyl, no traction. Oh, just no, just no. splinted him up. It wasn't uh, if it was like fib tip. So I uh, got it. Okay, so get, give him a little fentanyl. You know, yeah. make him feel comfortable. Package him up. Now you're solo on the ground, right? Correct. Oh my gosh! So once you package him up, you get him on the radio and be like, "All right, ready to come and get me." They yep. come in short haul. The and for those that really don't know, the short haul is this long line that's connected to the belly of the aircraft. Should be on two cargo hooks. I believe that's like standard now. But that is standard. We still haven't upgraded to that, by the way. We're doing the belly strap still. So. Oh, okay, perfect. So you've got the belly band that goes around through the inside of yep. the aircraft, and then connected to the hoist hook or, or the belly hook. Cargo hook. Yeah. Cargo hook. Thank you. They drop the line in, you connect, ready for pickup. They pick you up off the ground and then fly you three miles to the landing zone. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then my just, God, dude. That yeah, they just lower you down. You know? <laughs> Bro. So it's, all, it's fun. Yeah, it's, sick, it was cool. Sick. And okay, everyone's so like, now, of course, everyone's okay. like, I can't believe you got that for your first rescue. <laughs> I got such bullshit. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're like you know i can see it now like as you're like you know cruising past a mile worth of cars you're, you're trying not to wave like hey what's up i know <laughs> it was fun too because we're just flying you know and it's like yeah. i feel like you know i loved as a when i was a little little kid i loved peter pan and i'm like dude this is this is man i'm living it right now freaking peter pan right now <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hilarious that's awesome yeah all right so now you bring me back to this so you got five people stuck on the side of mount lemon up at yeah eight eight thousand feet mid mid eight thousand yeah 8400 ish and two dogs two dogs so well it was three people oh three people five three it was three people two rescuers who also became uh... and two dogs (laughs) Yeah, ground-based rescuers who we had to rescue. So, yeah, that was that was. Uh, yeah. With the awesome. ground rescuers already there, did you have to send anybody down, or are you just sending the gear down to pick them up? They got there right when, as we were coming into the scene, and they got trapped as well. This was um, the conditions were really rough. A lot of snow this year up there. Um, warm days, lots of snow, freezing nights. So it created this really, really steep ice pack. So what happened is these people started on this hike. It's a big loop. Okay. It's supposed to be like a two hour loop. Well, as they, they come around one aspect of the mountain, the trail starts to get snow on it and they keep pushing down the trail until eventually the trail disappears into just a slope of snow. But, but then 
it took them so long. They were like, well, we can't go back. It's getting dark. So we have to keep pushing forward, but then everything freezes. The one of the girls ended up sliding down about like 50 feet before she could stop herself. And she managed to get back with the group, but they, they just couldn't go anymore because the, the snow became so hard. They were stuck on a, they're basically stuck on the side of a slide. They couldn't move anywhere. They were just stuck. And it was really, really cold. I mean, it was, a um, they were, they would have died. Uh, nobody was prepared for the conditions. They all would have froze to death overnight. Um, so it was a, it was a, um, it was one of those rescues where like, okay, we, we have to do this. Like they're, they're stuck. Even the rescuers weren't prepared for the, for the conditions and they, they couldn't get out either. They got totally stuck. And so it was, wow. it was, it was nuts. And, um, even when I inserted my RS, uh, he, who was very experienced was not quite prepared for the slope. And, um, we got some pretty cool video of it, but he ended up sliding yeah, yes, down. Yes, please. 20... Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk later. I'll send it to you. Okay. Um, he ended up sliding about 20 feet a couple times before he could stop himself. And he ended up getting to them. He was able to make a bunch of hasty anchors, create a system to secure everybody. But we ended up having to go um, get ice, ice axes and shovels so he could build a platform to get everybody stable to do rescues off of. Uh, it was a long... Yeah, it became That's quite sick. an operation. Yeah, it became quite an operation. So it was it was it was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Ice axes and stuff that's not something I would think about with Arizona. That's just no. not yeah. You know, we and it's like in the winter we have a lot of snow in Arizona. We have a lot of big mountains, you know. You know, one thing that comes to mind that a lot of people forget about Arizona too is it's hot here and we have high altitude. So in the summertime. Yeah man our aircraft are working they're yeah. working it's not like we're not flying down the beach you know we're like high altitudes and it's hot yeah and it's it gets sketchy sometimes <laughs> but <laughs> oh yeah that gosh. was a that rescue was a that was a really good one we ended up doing um we did uh the first one coming out was uh, a double up with a with a survivor and a dog we flew them to the command post came back um inserted the the dog harness and some gear back in the shovels and stuff um hook went in to insert gear we brought the hook back up with the, a, a single up survivor um flew him to the command post and then we had to go for fuel back into tucson while he was getting everybody else kind of packaged up. So we went to fuel in Tucson and we put together a big care package. I mean, we made coffee because we went to the base for fuel and we knew it was going to take him a little time to get everything ready. So we, we made some coffee, we got some M&Ms, we got some snacks, we put it all in his bag with another, with another, uh, so a couple more AVEDs and everything. So, so the, the next AVED time is the, hold on, we got to make sure everybody knows the uh, ambulatory victim extraction device. It's a big jacket and it comes up between your legs three-point connection and it's a it sits like a lazy boy it's beautiful love That's it. it yep so we picked up a couple of those from the tucson base and we came back in dropped that stuff off brought it you know equipment went in single up out go back to the command post and then come back in double up with the dog you know back to the command post so we tried to do as in little hoist as possible but i think we ended up doing like seven voice cycles on that for the rescues wow. Wow. So, yeah, it's it pretty wild. He's, 
was your boy pretty stoked on uh, coffee and M&Ms? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Again, I, on the radio, I love you guys. <laughs> I, I, I have to give this dude props. I mean, his name's Mike Snyder. Um, you probably met him. Uh, probably. But, Maybe. Yeah, he, he's... I'm going to uh, say yes. Hey, Mike, good to see you and talk to you and hear about you. <laughs> He used to do Mountain Rescue, uh, which is uh, one of the bigger search and rescue organizations in Arizona before he became a trooper. And he's got so much experience and he's our our lead uh, technical rescue instructor for our base. Just like he's one of those guys. I could say this about everybody that we work with, but he truly is like one of those guys that, you know, when you have something, you want him with you. It doesn't matter if he's the hoist operator or the rescue specialist, you know, whatever he's doing is going to be good. You know, oh, you like, you just don't have to worry. Okay. It's he's a good dude. So. I like it. Oh, I'm freaking sick. Oh my gosh. Well, well done to you and your entire crew for that one. Jeez. Freaking badass. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. So now I'm, I'm going to circle all the way back to the beginning <laughs> a little bit, because you said you had three rescues like a first to first to first. So now we're on number three of your first. Yes. Okay. So okay. <laughs> I get done with training in Tucson and I'm officially signed to Kingman air, Rescue, which is, uh, we call it Western air rescue, but it's in the Northwest corner of the state. Um, us and Flagstaff, we kind of split the North half of the state. Um, we each take half of the Grand Canyon, but it also depends on, who's in service. It's not all of our bases are 24 seven. Our air rescue units 24 seven, but not every base is available every day. Cause sometimes they're down for maintenance. There's no backup, not enough manpower, et cetera. So we happen to be the only aircraft in the Northern part of the state this day. And we had just finished a search in Flagstaff, landed in Flagstaff for fuel and it was getting dark. So we're on the Flagstaff base on their ramp, fueling up, and the phone starts ringing in the base. So I run inside and answer. And it's the uh, park service at the Grand Canyon. And they said, hey, are you guys up and available? I said, yeah, what do you got? I said, well, we have a report of a, you know, a mid-20s male who's fallen. Um, we don't know where he is. I'm still getting more information. But um, this is the trail. It's called Hermit Trail. Um, he had one other person with him who had to leave him to get help. Um, he, the person who left him thinks he's possibly dead, uh, but was alive when he left him, but we don't have exact coordinates. I'm, and he's like, I'm still working on getting it, but he fell off hermit's trail somewhere. So, okay, well, we have like a 45 minute flight. So we'll start heading that way. And then, you know, update us while we're in route. Okay. So I go back, tell my pilot, hey, we got a rescue in the Grand Canyon. Uh, he's like, cool, get our night vision goggles on our helmets all set up and everything. It's getting dark and off we go. Um, get on the radio with the uh, park service guys at the canyon as we get closer. They don't really have any updates for us. Okay. We update our dispatch. Hey, we're here. We're going to be off comms because as soon as you drop below the rim and start flying down in the canyon, there's no, there's no comms with dispatch or anything. So by now it's pitch, pitch black, you know, and I'm sure if anybody's flown out over the ocean or anything, uh, just imagine that on a uh, dark night with no moon, 
and and then imagine now you have walls on either side of you <laughs> right <laughs> so <laughs> luckily we're on nvgs and everything um so we're down in the canyon we're kind of trying to fly this trail we're just searching around um we're finding like groups of hikers like flashlights are real easy to see under nvgs obviously especially out there in the dark um no that's a group of hikers that's a group of hikers okay. Then about at eye level, 12 o'clock, straight out of the wind, windscreen, I see this little light that looks like a star. Like, but it's straight in front of us, and I know we're down below the, the rim of the canyon. And so I'm like, definitely not a star. It just looks weird. It's too dim to be a flashlight, but it just looks like a star in the distance. And I said you know, to my pilot, his name was uh, John Haverly. I said, hey, man that looks weird. Should we check that out? He goes, yeah, that does look weird. Let's fly over there. So we fly over there. And what we see is a guy, he's off trail. He's, he's between, he's in some very sketchy terrain because he's between a couple cliff bands okay. um, with no trail and he's hiking with a phone or it looks like he's trying to hike with a phone light. And we're like, well, this dude's lost. And <laughs> We're like looking for a dead guy, right? But we're like, yeah. the chances of us actually finding our guy right now, because we don't have enough information are pretty small. So this guy is in a super sketchy spot. So let's try and make contact with him and fix this problem before it ends up being a worse problem. And then we'll take him up the canyon, make contact with the park guys, and then we can continue on with our search. And uh, so... We're like, okay, how do we make contact with this guy? We're like, the plan is to find a place to do a hover insert of me. Um, and then I can hike to him. So we're looking for a place and it's like, it's just hard to find a spot. So we fly down a little ways, maybe like a hundred yards past where he's at. There's a place where the canyon makes a turn. And, you know, when I say it's like a couple thousand feet cliff, everybody's seen pictures of the Grand Canyon. It's multiple cliffs that make up, right? There's no, there's nowhere that's just like 2,000 feet. It's like 500 foot cliff band, a little steep section, and then a 50 foot cliff band and a steep section, and then 100. You know what I mean? You have all yeah. these yeah. like little sections where, yeah. correct. So it makes it, it makes a turn, and there's like this ledge protruding out, like this point. We're like, hey, this looks like a pretty good spot. We could do a hover ingress here. Okay, cool. So we're bringing it in on my side. And as we come over this ledge, it's looking flat and it's looking pretty big. And I'm like, hey, I think we might be able to fit the helicopter on this ledge. And, you know, there's rising terrain and everything, but my pilot's like, yeah, yeah, okay. If you think so, just make sure that rotor's clear as we, I'm going to bring it down real slow. I just, you know, let's just make sure we got enough clearance with the rising train. I'm like, yeah, for sure. So we get the skids over the ledge and we start descending and I'm watching the main rotor. You know, I got the, I got the door open. I got my flashlight on the rotor. I got checking the tail and everything. And we bring it in and we land on this ledge. So now we've like landed the helicopter on essentially this massive cliff face, right? On this ledge. <laughs> and it's kind of like, okay. Um, be careful crawling under the rotor because I'm not shutting this thing down. He like, you know, like I don't want to take the full weight off the helicopter yeah. on this ledge. So, you know, it, it's like, 
let's brief this for five minutes. What are you going to do? You're going to belly crawl under the rotor with your gear. Yes. Okay. What are you going to do? I'm going to belly crawl under the rotor. We are not <laughs> yeah. losing our heads here. Right? Yeah. Dude, I love um, this. Yeah. Well, it ended up being really good too, that he was able, that we were able to land because obviously without a spotter coming back into that spot for a pickup would have been a lot tougher. Um, but anyway, he landed. I grab the gear and off I go into the darkness. Right. So now I'm making my way. And by the way, our tail rotors out off like a 500 foot cliff band. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and, and so here I am on this steep section of terrain between, you know, two cliff bands, you know, going, all right, I have no fall protection, no gear. I have a backpack and stuff. And I'm like, if I fall, it's over. This is it, man. You know? <laughs> so I'm making my way. You know, those are the things we don't tell our wives. <laughs> I'm loving every second of this, right? Like this yeah, is, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's pitch black. I got NVGs on, you know, I'm like precarious situation. So I'm like calling out for this guy. Like going, search your rescue, search your rescue kind of thing. I got my flashlight. Don't hear nothing. So I keep going. I keep going. So finally, I hear some rustling and it's above me. So I, I, I put my flashlight up and this dude ends up being like about 10 feet above me. And I say, hey, man, come over here. Come over here. Dude looks over the edge. I put my flashlight on his face. He is covered in dirt and blood covered just caked he looks like hell and i said well we were looking for a guy who fell i assume that's you and he's like yeah i don't know how much longer i can make it man and pass out I'm like okay i go well can you like sit on this ledge type of thing so he sits on the ledge and i climb up on a rock and i basically have him dangle his feet down i grab his knees and I'm like, just, just come down. And I, I'm using his body. I'm pushing his body against the rock, the, the face of the rock for friction to lower him to me, you know? Yeah. So I get him down to me and he's like, you know, in a lot of pain, I said, Hey man, just throw your arm over my, around my neck and try and hold on. Like, you know, I try to get some of his weight on my backpack and I go, we got to get to the helicopter. It's, you know, that way, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, I go, once we get there, we'll get you out of here. So he's like, okay. And, um, we, we start making our way back just slowly. And I call my pilot on the radio and I said, I go, I go, Hey, Haverly. He's like, yeah. I'm like, this is our fucking guy. This is our guy. That's exactly what I said. And he was like, okay. So <laughs> we had actually called Phoenix to come respond to this with us because we thought if we find this guy and he's alive, we're going to need to hoist him out. So the whole plan was to insert me right on a hover ingress. I would make, I would make contact and then Ranger one out of Phoenix would be able to come do a night hoist and hoist us out in case, you know, especially because once I'm hover, like he does a hover ingress with me, he's not going to be able to, it's gonna be hard for him to land or anything. So he would just leave basically go to the top of the Canyon and wait anyway, because he had landed 
I'm like, Hey, this, I'm like, if you can shut down, I, I said, you have to shut down. I'm not going to be able to get them under the, the rotor. There's no way I'm bringing this dude. I go, if you can shut down, we can transport him. So he's like, okay, I'm gonna shut down. So he shuts down. By the time we get there, he's already got the, you know, we have like a trifold backboard. He's got it all set up and everything ready to go. By the time we got back to the helicopter. Nice. So I get him on the backboard and then I start my assessment. You know, I go through the ANO, you know, getting his mental status and everything, all those questions. And then, you know, I'm putting the collar on his neck and getting uh, the monitor on him and getting some baseline vital signs, threw him on some O2. And now I'm just kind of chatting with him, continuing to sense his mental status, you know, while I'm packaging him up. And I'm kind of like, so where are you from, man? He's like, well, you know, we're from San Diego. And I, I said, oh, oh, that's cool. And are you, did you come here from San Diego? No, we're on our way back to San Diego from Texas. Um, okay, well, what do you do in San Diego? He's like, I'm in the Navy. And I said, oh, well, what do you, what's your job in the Navy? And it's like, pause. And he's like, I'm a SEAL. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. You know, because I'm like, bro, you're like my hero, man. <laughs> like, now I got to take, like, this is, this is like, I wish he never told me, right? Because now I'm like, it's up in the ante. I'm like, I got to take care of this dude. Like, this dude's a badass mofo you know and um so i'm like okay so we're getting packaged up and i my pilot and i are like quick discussion do we go to flagstaff that's a level one trauma center or we go to las vegas that's a little bit further but is a level one trauma center you know what i mean like a real level I one. Got you. yeah and and i'm like i i was like hey man we we need to take this guy to, to vegas like he needs to go to vegas because i know like if he's got a head injury or anything they're gonna fly him out of flagstaff they're gonna end up transporting him out and he was like i'm like i think he's stable enough to make the extra 10 minutes here this was the kicker my pilot was kind of like well if we fly him to vegas it's going to be one of two things happening we're either going to land in boulder city for fuel or we're going to land at the hospital and we're going to have to go get fuel cans and carry them to the roof of the hospital to get out of here <laughs> and i'm like i'll let you make that decision man but we're going to vegas with this guy period and uh he's like okay so we opted to land in boulder city for fuel nice, nice. and i just i stayed in the aircraft with him which i mean it's against policy but it was the best thing to do for our patient it was just yeah. one of those situations where it's like you know what's the best thing for this guy? So we, we splashed on a little fuel in Boulder and then got to, uh, to into Vegas to, uh, um, Valley. I think, no, we did UMC, UMC hospital and, uh, gave a report and everything and, and back to Kingman we went, you know? And, uh, so what was cool about this was the next day when I would, I live in Mesa, which is in the Phoenix area, and it's a three and a half hour drive to Kingman. So when I'd go to Kingman for my shift, I would do a day on, a day off, and a day on so I could do two shifts and then have a significant amount of time off, and I didn't have to do that drive as much. But Kingman's only about an hour, hour and a half from Vegas. So on my middle, I was going to be off the next day. I'm like, I'm going to go to Vegas and follow up with this guy. So I got off duty. Like By the time we got back to the base, it was like, you know, two, three in the morning. Yeah. So 
take a nap, get off duty at eight, drive to Vegas, went to the hospital, go up to his room and his buddy who, who was also a seal was a college track athlete. Thank God who had to run up another six miles from where he fell up a very steep trail to get help. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. This, this trail is no joke. I mean, it's like, it's most people would take a day to get down and a day to get up. They were like, let's just go up and down in a day. Why not? You know, of course. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, I walk into his room and there's some people there, a, a couple. And this woman looks at me across the room. And I, I was just kind of like, you know, I'm in street clothes now. And I'm like, hey, I'm Mike. I'm the medic who brought him in last night. And she cleared that room and collapsed on my shoulders with one of the best hugs I've ever had in my life. And she just was started crying. She's like, you're our hero. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, your son's my hero. I call it first, you know. <laughs> um, but it was his mom and they had found out from his buddy that he'd fallen and were on a flight to Vegas from Texas. And they didn't even know he was getting transported to Vegas. It was, it was the only flights that they could get that were close enough to drive to the grand Canyon. And they didn't had no idea where he was going. So they ended up being with him most all night. Um, and it was cool getting to know them a little bit and everything. So I chatted with them for a couple minutes and then, you know, go into around the corner, pull his curtain. And here he is sitting in his bed, half of his head is shaved and he was growing his hair out and everything for a deployment coming up. And um, he's got like ton of stitches in his head and everything like that. So I said, so what's the damage? And he goes, they shaved my fucking head. <laughs> That's like all these. <laughs> he was pissed, man. But uh, he had, um, you know, shattered scapula, radius ulna fracture, um, fib tib, both lungs collapsed, um, four oh vertebrae. He was. I mean, he was massively messed up. I mean, he was really messed up. And what we'd gathered after later investigation is that he fell a total of about 150 feet over two major cliff bands. Oh, so may maybe about 75 God. feet each, possibly. Um, but he was jacked up. I mean, he had he had he was impaled with cactus and rocks and tree branches um, and everything like that. But um you know, we kept in touch and everything and he did, he did pretty well. He messaged me, like he sent me a text message on Christmas Eve, like a couple weeks. This is this, this incident happened on the 19th of December. So he texted me on Christmas Eve, this picture of a, a stick about a quarter inch in diameter, about this long, maybe like but that's you know, about what, four inches, five, six inches, six inches. Well, six inches of, yeah, it's about three feet, you know. Yeah, no. three, three, three feet. Three feet, okay. no. Yeah, four or five inches, inches or something like that. Four, five, it's all, all right, like goopy looking. Yeah, yeah, it's it's on a it's on like a piece of gauze. It's on one yeah. of those stainless steel little tables. So I I text them back. I go, 
I go, what the fuck is that? He goes, he replies, it's a big ass stick. And I said, no shit. Where'd they pull that out of your ass? He goes, no, it was into my wrist. It's like impaled into his hand oh and it was in his God. wrist. And he said, oh. he just, he kept, he kept having pain in his wrist and they couldn't see anything on x-rays. So they did a little exploratory surgery and they found that in there, you know, but, um, and then he was like, yeah, I'm going in for surgery today. Yeah. So he, on this Christmas Eve, he went in he, and then he was like, yeah, I'm going in for surgery. They're going to rebuild my scapula, you know? And I'm like, dude, the fact that you survived a shattered scapula, that's, that's a lot of force, you yeah. know? So Holy good Lord. I know. And then, uh, he, the guy deployed, this was a uh, December, March, he deployed. He was healed it. up by March to be able to deploy. I don't know what they got going Freaking on over there. Solid. Wow. Yeah, beast. Like he was hard. He was hard to get to the helicopter, man. It's like, <laughs> he's a big dude. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Yeah. So I got, a I got a lot of props from my, uh, well, sarcastic props, I should say, from my, when I, you know, I, I get a call from Central Air Rescue, who the vast majority of the, of the folks at our central base are who helped recruit me. Yeah. And um, I had, you know, I told them to come help with this rescue and we ended up canceling them because, you know, we got this, we're going to do it ourselves. And, you know, of course, <laughs> the next morning they're like, oh, who do the SEALs call when they need help? Oh. <laughs> You know, they're giving me that kind of deal, you know? <laughs> so I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Michael, do but, the rescue. <laughs> yeah. So that was my first solo rescue after being checked off. No, you know, no field trainer with me or anything like that. So very, oh very memorable. It was pretty awesome. Dude, those are sick. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Well done to you and all your crews for each one of them. That's. Thank Holy you. Cow. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. So while you you guys uh, in Arizona, um, one of the things that you guys have quite a bit of is we're going to let's see, you call them UDAs, which is yep. undocumented aliens. OK, people crossing the border. So correct. For the U.S., for those that don't know, people on the southern side of the border, they tend to try to come over. And that's from countries down south. And they come over. Yep. Well, in Arizona, the, um, there's a lot of mountains and there's a lot of areas when you come up to the border that are that are not they're not they're the not friendliest. friendly. No, no, they're not. And they, some of the mountains are pretty big, and some of the the injuries that, that happen are really bad. And I know this not just from you guys, but from Customs and Border Protection. Those guys deal with a lot of this too. So a ton, and a lot yeah. of times they're on our aircraft. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um you know what that doesn't surprise me at all actually yeah yeah, yeah we, so. we partner with those guys a lot but they're, they're they do a ton of it obviously as well um and yeah, yeah. it's a it's a big problem you know but it, it's yep. cool because you know the vast majority of those folks are are uh, trying to make a better life for themselves you know despite all the political stuff and everything um the majority of them are really trying to seek a better life i don't blame them one bit for trying to do what they're doing but they get themselves into some pretty gnarly stuff yeah and we have yeah, yeah. we have mountains we have mountains on the arizona mexico border with pine trees 
that's how high elevation yeah. they go. I mean, it's, they get snow and all that stuff. So it's, it gets pretty treacherous. And then of yeah. course it drops down into a very, very dry desert, you know? So, uh-huh. It's crazy. So with that said, you actually have two rescues that had these, um, the undocumented, what is it? Undocumented a- aliens. Aliens. aliens yeah undocumented aliens so you were called out for two of these like two separate incidents incidences that uh that stand out to you so yes i'm ready so, when you are bud i had just gotten transferred to central air rescue and i'm now getting trained up in the hoist program and i am not uh eligible to be a rescue specialist or hoist operator. Yeah, I can do hover ingress, hover egress, um, stuff like that on the 429, but I wasn't checked off to be a hoist guy yet. But we get called for a rescue. Um, this was a UDA. It got passed on to us from border customs and border protection. Um, they gave us coordinates. And what they said was, hey, we got a call from a from an immigrant um, via, um, what's the app they use? Like, um, like a phone call app, like WhatsApp, that's exactly it. So we got a call view, (laughs) nailed it. (laughs) Um, we got a call on WhatsApp of an immigrant and the GPS is coming in this location on this mountain. The problem is, is the mountain is on fire. Oh my so, God. All wildland fire. And so they said we, they located her in a Blackhawk, but the smoke was too thick to make a rescue. They were hoping it would die down, but it really didn't. And so they said, maybe you guys with a little bit smaller aircraft can get in there and find her. So they passed it on to us. And we're coming from Phoenix because our Tucson base wasn't in service this day. So yeah, so we got the coordinates. They gave me the number on WhatsApp. This is what makes this rescue. Well, the fact that she's in, in the middle of a forest fire. But Holy she, shit, dude. so they give me the number and I, I message her. So we're translating. She's from Guatemala, only Spanish speaking, and we're texting on WhatsApp. So I'm going, hey, this is Mike. DPS Air Rescue, we're en route to your location. Where are you? Are you safe? And she's replying to me. And WhatsApp is translating our conversation. So I said, can you take a picture of where you're at and send it to us? Because we're trying to figure out where she is. She sends me a picture. All you see is fire. Everything's burning around her. I'm like, this is nuts, dude. And we got like an hour and a half flight. So I'm going like, do you have space? She she's on a like a rock area, okay. So we have like a pretty significant sense of urgency to get out there, and so I'm just texting with her the whole time. If you if you're you know stay where you are if you can, and all this stuff, and it was it was wild, man. So. <laughs> We get out there, we start flying this mountain, and it's like, I don't know if you've ever flown over a forest fire before, especially no, I at night. Not. I should I should send you some footage of flying over a fire. It is 
very, very difficult. So now imagine you're flying over a fire. Like just imagine a thousand acres of hot embers under night yeah. vision goggles. It looks like the Milky Way exploded. I mean, and then look for, and then now try to find a, a light from a phone in the middle of it. Like oh it's not gosh. happening. It's nuts. Um, and so we flew it and we flew it. We could not find her. And we're texting with her and she's like, please save me. Please save me. I mean, she's texting us. Don't let me die. You know, and you're going like, oh, my God, we got to find this girl. So. We decide. Mike, we're going to land. We're going to kick you off. So they kick me off. I'm in radio contact with the helicopter. I'm still texting with her. They did that simply so they could get in tighter to the mountain, you know, get some of the weight off the aircraft. Um, and we stripped a whole bunch of other gear along with me um, and they go flying and it's kind of getting discouraging. Well, um, there, we have a very seasoned medic who was was full-time with us for 21 years and now he's full-time on the SWAT team and part-time with Air Rescue. Cool. Uh, Eric Tarr, super stud. And he, he just sees a light that just looks a little different than everything else, than the fire and the embers. And he's like, let's look at that. And it ended up being her, her cell phone. And it was like, it was, it was wild because the phone was about to die and all this stuff. So then they were like, I don't even know if we can do a hoist with all the heat coming off the fire and everything. Anyway, long story short, they end no, up. No, 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 no. Long story long. <laughs> long story long, dude. I want details, man. Come on. Yeah. Don't, don't do that well, to me. <laughs> okay. So they, they end up, they, they get a plan together. They end up inserting Eric as the RS. Um, I don't remember who was the SO um, for this rescue. But they insert Eric. Eric climbs to her. It was it was one of those situations again where no no fall protection. If you slip, it's gonna be not only are you gonna break your legs, but you're probably gonna be unconscious and your body's gonna burn up because it's a forest fire. Um, but um, yeah, he gets to her, gets her gets her up in the A bed, and then they hoist they hoist him out on a double up flyaway, and uh, you know they take her to the, to a command post. She's covered in, in soot. She's breathing smoke all day. Uh, I mean, she was in rough shape, you know, but she was conscious and everything, vitally stable for the most part. And they, you know, they got her out, got her to the command post and all, did all that stuff. Um, and then they came and picked me back up. <laughs> but, you know, I, I had a small part in the rescue, but uh, it was, that one stands out a lot because it was just so unique. Uh, yeah. And the, having that communication with her was amazing. Uh, it brought a lot of anxiety and stuff, you know, because it was like, almost like you're the dispatcher. Yeah. In a way. Um, so wow. that was pretty wild. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. Fast forward, a, maybe a month or two, we get called out for, a a, um, a group of, uh, immigrants or UDAs of about 40. 40. And, uh, oh my God. 40. Yeah. Um, so again, another, another one of those days where I'm with a very experienced and seasoned, uh, rescue guy, uh, named Russ. And I was, uh, operating as the SO Russ was operating as the RS that day, um, per our morning paper, rock, scissors. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs>
uh so we get on scene and we had uh border patrol and and them were on scene on some four-wheelers already um there were six of them nearly unconscious from heat exhaustion and heat stroke um the entire group was in really rough shape um no good access in or out by any uh any large vehicles really just four-wheelers um and the helicopter so we ended up um hoisting out i think we hoisted out four that day um and then we ended up shuttling quite a bit more just um after they were able to go to like a, a landing zone um but we ended up setting up you know a big shuttle operation where we you know had uh fire and ems come in like you know 20 miles away where they could shut down a road stage a few ambos and things like that um but the the first couple of patients were were really bad and so it was kind of just like hoist hoist them in and we ended up landing with we landed some uh, medevac helicopters from uh like airvac you know uh, where we transferred care on those which we actually do that quite a bit on a lot of our calls we'll we'll do the rescue and then transfer care uh to another helicopter depending on the situation yeah but um which is super smart i i like that there's a couple agencies that do that and i I think it's fantastic it works great i love that we're able to transport anything that we want to um but sometimes it's just better to get them on a helicopter that's built for the transport it's got a medic and a nurse on board you know you're not strapping somebody to the floor they're actually in a litter you know, yeah. or a, on a stretcher or something, but yeah, that was a, that was a cool one just cause it was just such a large group of people and they had some really sick people. It was funny though, with that one, I don't know if it was like the next day or a couple of days later, there's this video going viral on Instagram of me carrying this girl in my arms. And I'm like, I'm, I have my harness on and you know, her head's like bobbing around and I'm like trucking it down this trail. <laughs> and she's like, is, and I have like my helmet on and everything. She's like, is this, she goes, is this you? And I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. Where did that video come from? One of the freaking border patrol guys was video, like following me, videoing me, carrying this girl to the other helicopter, which was like a hundred yards away. Like, and I was like, that's messed <laughs> up, man why didn't he help me carry her? You know, <laughs> like I was dying. I remember like, it was like a dirt road. I had to go down and then back up this hill. And by the time I got to the other helicopter, I felt like it was at the end of a CrossFit competition. Like my legs were wrecked, you know, <laughs> but there was like no one around to help. And so I'm like, I can't hobble with this girl who's passing out for a hundred yards. Like I'm like, and she wasn't very big. So I just scooped her up and started going. Yeah. Anyway, it was a uh, North American rescue. You follow their, uh, I do. I do. Yeah. He posted it and they had reposted it and that's what caused it to go viral. So like all these people were like, is this you? Is this you? Like where the hell did that be? Oh from? man. You know, <laughs> it was pretty funny. Oh, that's great. Dang. Anyway, 40 people. So was it just you guys doing all 40 people? Or do you have a couple of helicopters coming in? No. So we, we did, we hoisted out four. And then okay. um, we transferred care to two of them got transferred to helicopters, the two most critical. And then everybody else was, uh, you know, the next two went by ambulance 
And then the rest, we just helped shuttle. We were able to get a landing zone close enough to where the people, some of them were able to walk a distance. So we helped shuttle out a bunch of them um, to cool. a command post where, you know, border patrol could get everybody round up and organized and everything like that, you know? So dude, freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah. We get, we do a lot of stuff like that. A lot of those, uh, and especially in the summer, you know? Yeah. But yeah. those, it's real sad, man. The immigrants, we had, uh, we had a couple where we had one recently where they got stuck up on a mountain peak in the snow and everything. And, um, we tried to do a hoist on them. We couldn't just couldn't do it. The winds were nuts. We kept settling with power. Uh, we just could not, we couldn't do the rescue and we had to, um, we had to get some rescuers up in there by foot. Um, and by the time they got up in there, the person, the, the person we were trying to rescue had froze, you know, they passed away because of the, the uh, conditions and that sucks, man. It sucks yeah. when you're like right there and you can see them and, you know, and then you just, you can't do it. So, and that, I, that was one of the only times I really remember where we just could not do it. It was just, it was too sketchy, too high of elevation. You know, the winds were just, they, we just didn't have the power for it. You, you know, know, it's it's funny. Get, I'm going to go off on a tangent. So a little one, little one. We're, we're going to divert real quick because there a lot of people don't understand like helicopter dynamics and that aspect of you get up into altitude. The helicopter does not have the same power that it does down at like sea level or it's it's a whole different dynamic. It's, it's a different beast. You have winds that change like it, it may come towards the mountain you get major updrafts or if it's coming from the opposite side you get major downdrafts so it pushes the helicopter out of the sky and like i get it i understand exactly what you're talking about but a lot of people they they they're like oh it's a helicopter yeah six thousand feet and higher those helicopters are working and oh, you yeah. might not be able to get in there it's it's just it might not be possible or you could be sitting off, let's say you're sitting off, I don't know, 200 meters, 200 yards, right? And, and you're like clean air, everything's nice. And then you start rolling in and it's, it, yeah, you get rocked and you're like, that's, a, that's exactly what happened here. I was out, I was the hoist operator on this one. So on the 429, you know, for guys who aren't familiar, I know a lot of people listening are probably operating on like Blackhawks and things where you're you're kneeling in the aircraft in the door on the 429 you're out on the skid standing on the skid right um your your weight is on the system you know you have a, a strap you're weighted on the system you're leaning on like i like to lean out on my cable you know and you got hook in hand somebody taught and, you really well I'm yeah, just buddy. <laughs> and you're like okay ready so's ready to hoist you know copy that ready to pilot, you know, pilots copies and say, okay, yeah. start your run in and you start the run in and, you know, I'm putting cable out. And next thing, you know, you know, my pilot's like, we're boarding, we're settling, you know, we're like, we're basically slowly falling out of the sky. Like we, you just, you know, we make another go at it. We just, that's not happening. We just don't have the power. It's, yeah, it sucks. You're just like, Hey, it is what it is. You know, it's yeah. like you risk a lot to save a lot, but you're not going to risk yourself. You right. know, if, if you can't do it, you can't do it. <clears throat> and, and I say that here, we say that here a lot. A lot of other people have said it is like their emergency is not our emergency. We're going to yep. do everything we can to help you, but 
we're not willing to lose an aircraft or lose one of our own guys to go in because you are in a terrible, terrible position. And it, it's, it sucks to say that, but it's a reality that you have to just understand. So yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, bro. Freaking sick. Yeah. Dude. Okay. 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 <laughs> we got, we got two more stories that I want to hear about. And uh, it, like, I just, I, dude, I could do this all day. I really could. <laughs> awesome. The two that, uh, that come to mind. And again, you and I chat a little bit offline, but the one is uh, a base jumper that you guys had to do and not even in your own state. You had to go to California. Well, <laughs> yeah. So this one was cool. <clears throat> There's a few things. I love that how you just would... said that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple okay. things that make this one unique okay oh, okay one, i like that word <laughs> one was the fact that they so this is imperial county california it's down by yuma arizona it's just over the border um border patrol uh, imperial county sheriff's office ended up calling border patrol to help th for their for their uh four star guys which is their search and rescue team uh, for help on this one four star and border patrol didn't have a hoist capable aircraft available all they had was a little a star um, which they use for like patrol and stuff like that um and so we do a ton of work with border patrol and especially their four star team and so they're like oh there wasn't anything near in california available so they said let's call dps az dps to see if they can come out here we're we're not far over the border and we will go into other states when we're requested. We have no problem with that. Like I've been to Utah, I've been to New Mexico, you know, and stuff like that. So uh, they call us, say, hey, you guys have a hoist aircraft? It just so happened that we did not. This was a weird situation where our hoist aircraft was down and we were in the 407 out of <clears throat> central Phoenix. And um. It was one of the few times in the last couple of years we've actually been in it. We were only in it for like a week. <clears throat> so they're like, oh, man, yeah, I don't think a short haul is going to work. We talked to the pilot here in the A-Star. He doesn't think it's going to happen. <clears throat> we really need a, a hoist aircraft. So remember that guy, uh, Mike Snyder, I told you about earlier, who was on the, the snow ice rescue with me? Yes, sir. We kind of looked at each other and our pilot and we're like, maybe we should just fly out there and assess the situation. And of course, everybody's like, uh, yeah, we're definitely going. <laughs> <clears throat> so we load up our gear. It's like an hour and a half flight from Phoenix, maybe an hour and 15, somewhere in there. So we fly down there, get on scene. There's like 20 Border Patrol guys, Imperial County Sheriff. You know, they're all there. They're all waiting for us. And the Border Patrol A-Star, and they'd all landed, kind of created a command post at the bottom of this mountain <clears throat> by the way fun fact the mountain was picacho peak and mike and i got really excited about this because we have a picacho peak in arizona as well that we do rescues off of all the time and we were kind of like have you ever done a rescue off picacho peak california <laughs> neither have i how do you feel about being the first crew to have double Picacho Peak rescues? <laughs> like I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> you know? and that's what kind of motivation we have. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so 
we get out there and you know they're like everybody's like yeah man i don't think you're gonna get this guy with a short haul and uh we're like well let's check it out so on this particular one i'm the systems operator so when we're doing short haul operations you always have a spotter for the pilot right who is the systems operator even though you're not really running any systems but you are conning the aircraft for the rescue um so we get the door off we strip some gear we fly up and what happened let me give you some background on this guy the guy base jumped off the top of picacho peak and his base jump with the shit <clears throat> so he ends up miraculously landing on this ledge uninjured um but he's he's he can't climb down there it's just sheer cliff face there's nowhere to go and then uh there's no he can't go up he can't go down and he's not quite high enough to do another base jump so okay. even though he's his shoots intact and his gears intact and he's not hurt he he's just stuck <clears throat> and um so it's like, do we shuttle all these rescue guys to the top of this mountain, spend all night building like a system to repel down to this guy and then repel him off the mountain? Or at least just go up and take a look. Like we gotta go take a look, you know? So of course we do. That's the best so thing to do. Harness up, doors off the 407, you know, strap in and up we go. And it's like, okay, <clears throat> we get up where this guy is, get to his level go up 150 feet because that's how long our short haul line is. And we have options to shorten the, we can go 75, 100, 150 feet on the short haul, but because of the the mountain and stuff, we need to go as long as possible. So <clears throat> get up to 150 feet and it's just like, okay, start conning me in. Let's see how close I can get to this cliff face comfortably. And we'll see <laughs> if it looks like we're over the top of him or not, you know? Like, okay. So we're just easing into this clip and it's just like, you know, we get to the point where I'm like, please, let's not get any closer. You know, <laughs> my pilot's like, I got it. We're good. We can get a little closer. I'm like, okay. You know, and it's okay. just like, that's what's going on in my mind. Like, okay. Yeah, cool. Love it. <laughs> you know? So I'm like, yeah, it's, man, like we the, look it's like the backup camera on your car where it says beep, 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 beep. Oh. beep. And yep. you're like, I, I still get a little closer. I know I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Of course. Uh, Except for so, you're the beep. Yeah, correct. <laughs> Dude, I can't tell you how many times I've been like on short hover ingress egresses with the 407s and the confined space landings, yeah. you know, where you're just like, okay, you know, don't go any farther forward. We need to go, you know, nose left, tail right for three, two, one, hold. Okay, now we can descend. It's like you're fitting the helicopter into like a puzzle, like a puzzle piece somewhere, you know? Oh anyway. God, you guys are badass <laughs> out there, man. This is great. Yeah. So we, anyway, I'm like, okay, yeah, I think we can do this. We're like, does it, is everybody good with this? Yes, we're all good with it. All right, let's go. Let's go land and configure the aircraft. So we can land. The plan is to short haul insert Mike as the RS. So he's going to ride the line in, stay on the hook the whole time for short haul, never come off, hook this guy up. And then we're going to start when he's ready for pickup, we're going to pull tension. And as we start pulling tension, 
we're gonna get it like once once he gets on the rock on the on the ledge we're gonna we're gonna back off from the cliff face a little bit like yeah and we're gonna stay there and all we're gonna do we're not coming back in that close we're just gonna start (laughs) lifting up and pull attention slowly and then as they lift off they're gonna swing out and as they swing out we're gonna turn and fly with it like that's the plan dude oh dude i'm loving it so we get in there mike's dangling down 150 feet and i'm looking and i'm going man he's still far away from this ledge i'm like i don't know how we can get him in here we might not be able to do this but then i'm like the way that the terrain and the mountain and the ledge is shaped i'm like i think if we just fly along the edge you know he might get to the spot where he can grab it and then kind of like pull himself to where he needs to be on the ledge so I start conning the aircraft and I'm like, I'm telling you, man, I'm like ass puckered hard. We are so close to the cliff wall. I'm just like, Mike's lucky dookie wasn't falling down my on him, on his head. Like it was, it was sketchy. So I'm going, okay. <laughs> I, I keep Jonah's yeah, our pilot. Yeah, yeah, you, you bet. <laughs> uh, I'm, you know, I'm just like, Jonah, are we good? He's like, we're good. I go, okay, keep sliding left. Keep sliding left. Are we good? I'm looking at the rotor. I'm like, dude, it looks like we're really close to me, man. He's like, we're good. Are we good? Okay, we're good. If you say we're good, I go. so I'm just I'm trying to con him by looking at Mike and 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 I'm looking at the rotor and I'm I'm just like, okay. So Mike ends up getting to the spot where he can grab something, and he's able to like pull himself and scramble up into this ledge. And I'm like, okay, he's on. Like, give him a little slack. So pull away from the cliff. We give him a little slack. Descend a little bit. And he crawls up in there. Gets this dude in the A-bed real quick. Um, and, uh, yeah, Mike never comes off, which is a unique thing to do with short haul. A short haul yeah. insert is actually really unique. And we actually have, had to call our supervisors to get permission to do it because that's not in our SOPs. Like, hey, we want a short haul insert and everything. So Mike gets in there. We, that's what we do, man. We gets them all packaged up and tension the line and we pull them off and off they go. Big old swing. And we turn with it, fly them down. <laughs> and uh, we land and like all the border patrol guys, the pilot for border patrol and everything, they're just like, there is no way you guys just did that. Like <laughs> no effing way. They were just like, like yeah, it's no yeah, no big deal, bros. <laughs> <laughs> we were all like, you know, it, we push the limits a little bit sometimes, you know. But everybody safely, goes safely, push safely. limits safely. Of course, I got you, I got you. You know, risk a lot to save a lot, and it's kind of like, um, you know, you're always checking with the pilot. Are you good? Like he had the best view of the rotor and the rock, you know. So. Yeah. Yes, I'm good. And it's like, okay, no more, no further questions. You know, I trust you, you know, and that's yeah. how it is. Yeah. So, so it's, it was cool. That was a, that was a really unique one. Um, and that was, a, you know, Picacho Peak 2.0 rescue. So, <laughs> California version. <laughs> yeah. In Cali, which I love because, you know, if you throw a rock in California, you're gonna hit a hoist aircraft. I think it has so many hoist yeah, aircraft. A ton. It's like it's so nuts. In Arizona, it's like yeah, Arizona DPS. We have three, right? Yeah. Which is brand new. Um, you got Pinal County, 
has one who's there. There's part-time, not always in service. Pima County Sheriff has one, kind of the same thing. Maricopa County Sheriff has one. And then Phoenix PD slash fire department has one. And none of them are 24-7, 365, except for us. We're the only agency that's 24-7, 365. So that's the whole state of Arizona. That's what you got for hoist and short haul aircraft. And it's like... So get an opportunity to go to California and, and make a grab was like, oh, yes, awesome, you know. <laughs> so. Oh gosh, I love it. I love it, man. All right, I'm gonna go into one more, and this yeah. is the last one. You have a rock climber, uh, I believe a rock climber, stuck on Globe, Globe Mountain, Globe Trail. No, Globe... no. Uh, the the name of the mountain is slipping my mind, but it's it's near Globe, Arizona. Oh God! Um, All right, Glory. It's a, it's, that's the town. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we had these uh, young, younger guys, early twenties, you know, who went up rock climbing and everything, and they decided to take a shortcut down, get off trail, and one of them slips down this like a like a like a a waterfall that's created like seasonally by a wash. Okay. thing you know so he slips down the the waterfall breaks one ankle sprains the other and he's just stuck in this stupid spot it's like uh if i could pull it up on a map for you it'd be like the the top of a a ridge um or uh i mean a big open area but it's kind of tucked up into the v of the mountain but underneath him is just cliff like huge okay. cliffs. Okay. There's nowhere in, in or out of this place other than rappelling off the mountain with very long ropes, helicopter, or, you know, mount rock climbing with gear back to the top and getting back on the trail. He's wow. just in a stupid, stupid spot, but where he slipped down, he's in this like V crevice, right? It's this real tight V shaped crevice. So we get up there and we say, okay, I'm the RS on this one. And plan is to insert me on this big open spot and then i would hike in to where he's at and then assess and go from there <clears throat> so end up climbing in there with all the gear i got you know i went in with a uh my med bag with an aved some splinting gear and a tagline um with with the plan that like hey if i need a if i need the pet bag you can insert it and we'll figure it out um, so I get to the dude, he's got his buddy there with him. <clears throat> like, yeah, his one of his ankles obviously broken, deformed. Um, so I say, okay, let's get you an IV. Let's get some drugs on board, you know, vitals first, of course, and then all that. And then we'll get you splinted up and then, uh, we'll figure it out, you know, type of thing. Cause he's like, I think I can hobble on my other foot. I'm like, okay, cool. No problem. So we get, get him all packaged up, get his ankle splinted. He's like, okay, man, like we got, we got a good little distance to go to get to you where we can hoist you out. Cause I'm looking up and I'm going like, you know, we could get, do a, a 280 foot hoist, but the cliffs were so high that it would still, it would put the aircraft very tight into two cliff walls. There's nowhere to safe fly out at that point. Yeah. It's like, I'm okay with one on one side, but like to be pinched in on both sides yeah. where you, you can't go up, you know, it's like, <clears throat> no, we need to get in a better spot. So 
I got the guy all packaged up and everything. I'm like getting ready to pick him up and just kind of support his weight. And we hobble him down this, down this mountain into this open area. And as soon as I go to pick him up, he, he collapses onto his other foot. Right. <laughs> and so I, I end up catching him and um, he's like, my, my, my leg, my ankle. Cause the other one was worse than he thought. And uh, I ended up catching him under his legs and then picking him up and throwing him on my shoulders. Oh, right? a little fire I just, carry. Going yeah. old school. <laughs> so I just go, I just throw him on my shoulders. And cause we had talked about this. I'm like, man, I go, I'm gonna have to carry you. But the way that the way the terrain was, it was so many bushes and trees. It didn't make sense. Like it was too steep and too awkward to, to use his buddy to help carry him. I'm like, I'm just going to carry. So I literally like, and he goes up, he collapses. I grab him, I throw him on my shoulders and I throw him on my shoulders. And I just start, I just start hiking with this dude. And I'm just like, this sucks. I'm like, okay, I'm not, I am not stopping until I get to a point where I see that my legs were, they might as well literally have been on fire. It was brutal. So I'm carrying this dude on my back, but it was funny when I went and picked him up, he was just like, Oh, thank you. Like this really weird, awkward grunt. And thank you. That was just, you know, like, <laughs> so, Oh, and let me rewind for just one second. I was actually off duty this day. Yes. <laughs> so we had a, we had a two man crew on duty. Yeah. And they called me at my house and said, Hey man, we have a rescue. We need a third guy. Are you available? I said, yeah, I'm available. So what I have an airport by my house. So I just meet them at the airport. So I'm like, okay, babe, see, I'm grab my gear. And uh, I drive to the airport and they come pick you up, you know? So you, you, dude, oh my God. I love you guys. <laughs> what? That's awesome. Yeah. So like, it's funny because like I'm driving, you know, I drive to the airport and we all get take home cars because we're state troopers, but because we're not in highway patrol division, we just drive undercover cars. So we get undercover cars. We need to let, drive lights and sirens and all that kind of stuff. We can. So I come whipping into the parking lot, grabbing all my gear and all these people at the, at Mesa uh, Falcon field airport are, are looking at me like, who's this guy. And then like, as the helicopter comes in and they buzz me through the gate by the tower. And then I'm like, I run up to the helicopter and throw my gear on, you know, it's like, it's pretty funny, man. It's really cool. It's like, there's little kids out there watching the airplanes and like, Ooh. That's um, awesome. Look at this guy. My hero. Anything, anything I can do to make the, do something that looks cooler than the fire department. Dude, I'm all in. I'm all oh. in. <laughs> <laughs> it did just get dropped. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's funny. That reminds me of another story, but anyway, so that was like the prequel to this call. So we okay. get there. I, I carry the dude to a spot. <clears throat> We hoist him out. The hoist is, you know, it's routine. It's a, it's a, he's a single up with a tagline. And then I do a double up flyaway with him, with me and his buddy. And off we go. Land back down in the parking lot, transfer care to an ambulance crew of him and all those things. What was really funny was we wear cameras on all our rescues. So if you're the rescue specialist, you wear GoPro on your helmet. The, the, uh, as long as you don't need night vision goggles. And then the, uh, the systems operator, the hoist operator wears a GoPro on his helmet. Plus we have a camera on the hoist boom. And so we video everything. Super smart. I, was, I, I like that, by the way. 
but it's anyway. awesome for training for yes. all kinds of stuff. It's amazing. Yeah. It, I mean, just to go back and see everything you screwed up, you know, it, it, it's yeah. really good because it helps you get better. But you remember when I said how I picked them up, I had, yeah. well, I had taken off my helmet and all my gear and I put it on my bag and it was, it was recording. And so when I picked them up and threw them on my shoulders, it's all on video. And then I, we walk, as soon as I start going, we go out of the camera frame. Well, we get, we're on our way back. They land at the airport by my house to drop me off. I go home. I start having Sunday fun day with my family, you know, I'm having some drinks and then I start getting all these text messages on my phone and it's the video on my phone that they're sending me is them videotaping the computer screen because they're playing the video back and they're just sending me this clip of me picking up this guy. Oh, thank you. You know? And then you just hear them all cracking up because they don't know what's going on, you know, on the ground while they're flying around waiting for to pick me up you know they just thought it was the funniest thing so they're just sending me this repeat clip oh thank you oh thank you oh thank you you know and and then but you hear them just cracking up in the background it was so funny but i don't know if it, <laughs> it, it was a good rest you might need to send me that i i might need to just like dub it in right here so that everybody else can <laughs> <see> it. <laughs> for sure <laughs> So yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, it reminded me of something telling that story though. Um, our agency is really big on pub, uh, public relations. Um, so we do a lot of PR events and whenever a school or, or something requests us to bring the helicopter to the school, we oblige if we can. Well, for the 9-11 ceremony uh, at my kid's school, they requested us to come. And so I called my boss and I said, hey, if we're doing this PR event at my kid's school, can I bring my kids to school in the helicopter with me? And he's like, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know? What? Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. So this is, this is one of the coolest. This is probably my favorite story of my whole career, to be honest. And, you know, my daughter... Um, she gets to ride shotgun in the helicopter and we're coming in and the entire school is lined up for this 9-11 ceremony assembly out in the field. And here we come circling the field. Everybody's out there. They're cheering for the helicopter. You know, we land, shut down. We hop out. She's right up front. I get her out. You know, all the kids are screaming and she's waving and, and everything. And my wife is videoing the whole thing from the ground. Okay. And she's standing. So Mesa fire department came out with their engine and everything and some, a bunch of cops. We have DPS state troopers there. My wife's standing right next to the Mesa fire captain. And in the video, like as soon as the helicopter shuts down and we're walking up, you just hear him go, well, that's going to be hard to beat. (laughs) (laughs) It's hilarious. (laughs) It's so funny. Oh, that's great. Dude, yeah, you're like the cool. greatest dad ever. All right. That's, that's all, amazing. Like, come on, man. Every, that's pretty every time, yeah, every time I come to the school after that, all the teachers are like, helicopter dad's here, helicopter dad's here. You know? <laughs> As a positive thing, not a bad thing. That's amazing. No, oh totally. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Definitely helicopter positive. parents, you know, okay. Whoa, whoa. 
Yeah, yeah, not that kind. No, not, not that, that kind. kind. The good kind, the helicopter dad. That's right. That's the literal amazing. helicopter dad. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, out of the year on that one. Well done. It was. It was awesome. You know, it's like I've I've been in it for about almost five years now, really close to five years in air rescue, and it's been, man, I I feel like. As far when as far as air rescue is concerned, you probably couldn't work for a much better agency that is doing the stuff. I mean, we we have so many rescues, you know. Um, we're busy, and our agency, you know, they treat us good for the most part. Man, I hear guys at other places that are just they're hating life, you know. Uh, it's, yeah, it's too bad. It's been a hell of a ride, man. So far, it's been it's been freaking awesome. Uh, zero regrets going to air rescue and and you know becoming a cop yeah <laughs> <laughs> so. Dude, freaking badass man five years you've been doing this and you have yeah. that the list of oh. just stuff you've already done yeah we and really it's really just kind of scratch the surface haven't we a hundred percent i mean i've had shifts where we've done four separate rescues in one shift you know it's the the amount of like swift water rescues and stuff that like these guys have done that I work with over the years is just like that's I mean it's nuts I mean we had one that you know I wasn't I wasn't um, I was in Kingman at the time but the guys did a mid face pickoff about on a on a cliff that was you know three hundred feet from the top thousand feet from the ground of a base jumper who just happened to get this parachute hung up on you know on a cliff and he's dangling by his parachute. And that one made national. I think it went worldwide news in a lot of venues. Yeah, but... uh, yeah. You, you guys, we got to get more of you guys on here. I mean, what the heck? I'm telling you, I, a couple of the guys that work for us have 20, 21 years in air yeah. rescue at DTS, and they're. All right, I know all you guys are listening right now. Everybody's listening to Michael at this moment. You guys are next. Let's go. Give me a call. Yeah. Send me an email. I don't care. Get on this freaking podcast. Let's go. Yeah. Er- Eric Russ. <laughs> ah, called out. I like it. Yes. I mean, those guys have done. I mean, I'll come in shift after them, and it's like, are you kidding me? You guys just did what? It's all and it's it's, it's and if those two work together, it's like, dude, it's the black storm. It's it's wild. Those guys do. They just. They get into some stuff, man. It's that's, and they've both been doing it forever. It's like those those guys. Actually, I I think they're get. I mean, I know uh, Eric is getting into some teaching. He's getting close to retirement, so I think he's he's trying to share his knowledge in the teaching world for air rescue. But those those guys have so much experience. Um, they're who people need to hear from. I mean, in all okay. honesty, every time I get asked to do a podcast, I'm like, I'll do it, but. We need to get, they need to be on. And I don't know if they really want to or not. Probably not, but we can definitely push them to it. Ask I like them. that. Yeah. I, yeah. I ask, push, whatever. Yeah. Whatever works. Yeah. Come on guys. Let's go. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, I'm telling you, they, they, they've done so much stuff. You're just like, Holy crap. You know, beautiful, beautiful. If, if our Michael. department, yep. if our department gave out like medals for saving lives, like, I mean, these dudes would look like, uh, they would look like scales on their whole body. I mean, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> so many. It's wild. <laughs> oh, hilarious. Yeah. I freaking love this. 
Michael, so. this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I got one more question for you. You know, in the five years you've been doing this, what advice would you pass on to either those that want to come up into Arizona DPS and do what you're doing um, and advice from what you've learned from all your rescues over your past, over the past five years? Okay. So first and foremost, if you, if you want to do what we're doing, you know, I, there's opportunities in Arizona Department of Public Safety. I tell people about them. Um, I think a lot of people are, they don't want to come work highway patrol. Um, but you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get, to get the gig, you know? Um, I say, if it was me, I would say, get your paramedic first and then test to become a state trooper. I think right now, like our unit's growing so much and we have such a need, the longest, if you have a good head on your shoulders and you make a good name for yourself, um, you know, and you're good to go, you're going to spend two, three years, probably tops in highway patrol, which by the way, I was dreading doing. And I granted, I only did it for three months in field training, but it was a blast. I couldn't believe how much fun it was. I mean, it was so much fun. Um, <laughs> but I tell guys, to me, that's the best route. Um, we do have a new route that we just started doing. We're in the process of hiring uh, two more people. We, we actually started hiring civilian medics. <clears throat> and um, we hired two about, uh, it's probably eight months now. And they're finishing the end of their pipeline training and everything. And they're killing it. They're doing really well. They're both very experienced medics. Um, both have um, some fire background, rescue background. Um, they ha got hired straight into air rescue and eventually they'll get an opportunity to go to the police academy and become sworn if they want to. Um, so we're, we just did another testing process where we're working on hiring two or three more civilian medics right now. And in the next six months to a year, we're probably gonna open up apps for it again and pick up wow. a few more. So it's the something for people to, the opportunity is there. Now you do get paid a little bit less that route, um, but the benefits are pretty much the same, you know? Cool. Um, <clears throat> but I still think the best route to go is to become a trooper. You know, the pay is higher, benefits are a little better. And I don't know, it's, it's you guarantee yourself if you can get hired as a trooper, kind of guarantee yourself a spot in the agency. And I think once you're here, you have a good chance of getting into air rescue at some point. And like I said, we're growing, we're growing our, our third 429. We have it. It's, it's, it's getting set up with all the rescue equipment right now in San Diego. It'll probably be delivered next month, July. It's supposed to be official and we're sending everybody to high school that hasn't been, you know, they're all going to high school. So we're going to be, we're transitioning to a full blown, hoist agency every time we put a hoist aircraft in service you know that's double the medics because we need a two-man crew so lots of opportunity you know awesome i tell i tell people like most agencies you're going to spend years years getting enough seniority but dps because you have to be a medic you know it's tougher to get in and that leaves an opportunity to technically kind of get in quicker if you have that experience so I tell people, if you want to do it, just go for it, you know, yep. go for it. We have all kinds of other cool jobs in DPS. I mean, it's like bomb squad, SWAT team, hazmat team. We have all kinds of undercover units and uh, the list goes on and on. It's an awesome agency. It's a huge agency, you know, so we have 
like so many things you could do. That's 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 a lot of fun if uh, if you want diversity in your career path, you know, so to speak. Cool. Very so, cool. um, as far as all the uh, the things that I've learned being an air rescue and what I would pass on, I wish I could pass this on to everybody and everything that you do, especially guys who work in the fire service and law enforcement on the streets. Is um, I would love to share like one of the coolest things in my opinion about DPS air rescue is we have a uh, our safety culture is awesome. We do really dangerous stuff and we we do push the limits, but the one thing that we do is we always go by the lowest, not the lowest denominator, but if one guy on the crew involved in the rescue has the hair stand up on the back of his neck and he doesn't feel good about something, all he has to say is, guys, I don't have a good feeling about this. And we're done. We scrap it. We're just go. We will call our boss to say, we're not taking this rescue. You know, someone doesn't feel good about it. It just like, they're like, they don't care what it is. If you have a premonition, a bad feeling or whatever, you just voice it and that's it. No questions asked. Um, it's pretty cool. And I feel like that, that, uh, that coupled with, with the fact that whenever we do a rescue, we have a, a, a culture where we sit around to debrief and I'll go immediately. I'm like word vomiting everything I screwed up, man. I, I screwed this up. I screwed that up. I screwed that up. And, and, and it's, we don't call each other out. We call ourselves out. And that's like a natural process that we have. I mean, it's like Sweet. we beg that's for great. criticism, you know? So I think those two things help keep you safe and they help build your character as an operator in whatever you're doing um, to be able to recognize your deficiencies um, to accept criticism, to ask for criticism um, and, you know, like welcome it and then to really take it to heart and, and then apply it. Um, I mean, nothing can hone you more than that. I don't think, you know, yeah. so be, be a, uh, be welcoming of criticism, you know, and take it to heart and apply it. That's, that, that's what I would say. So. Brother, I freaking love it, man. Michael, this has been an absolute blast for me. I had such a good time with you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing stories with us. Uh, I that was love awesome. What you guys are doing. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm like, you have to go to bed right now and I I'm starting the day. So I'm, I'm going to be yeah. for like the rest of the day. Now <laughs> you have to figure awesome. out how to like wind down. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it, man. It's really cool to be on. Um, Hell yeah. yeah. I enjoyed it. It's fun. It's fun to share some stories and, and everything. And I know my family will appreciate it. They love it. You know, hearing Good. about all that stuff and Good. this makes it a lot easier. I'm like, here, just listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, when I get down to back to Arizona into Phoenix area, dude, we're going to go, we're going to go ahead a couple micro brews and one of my favorite, awesome. like Santan brewing, Mr. Pineapple. Oh, yeah. yeah. One of my yeah, favorite yeah. brews. I'm just like, I know it's awesome. Santan, it's awesome. It's a good, I love it. No, no. It's so. uh, I actually have some Mr. Pineapple upstairs in my fridge right now. I'm pretty sure. Oh, so. Yeah. I love uh, Santan. You know, you can buy the big boxes that have all their stuff in them. So yeah. We yeah. usually have quite a variety of Santan Brewing Company. So like, yeah. We just totally like gave them a major plug and 
<laughs> I love it, dude. That's great. Don't drink and fly. Yeah, that's right. 12 hours, bottle of the throttle. Let's go. <laughs> that's oh, right. 10. I think it's 10. Yeah, we'll go. We're gonna say 12. All right. I like I like 10, but you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. Let, let me ask the, the lawyers. The lawyers talk. Yeah. Oh, okay. And and yeah. He's, he says he's drinking right now. So I oh, okay. <laughs> oh man, I love it. Dude, I'm coming down. I'm gonna hang out with you guys. I would love to see all you guys again. So dude, come yeah. hang. Let's go fly. Let's go have some drinks. Let's do all of it, man. We'd love I to like have it. you. I like it a lot. Right on. I will see you soon. Again, thank you so much for coming on. You bet. Thanks for and having with me. That, ladies, anytime. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Go. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com. That's jason at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q.com. You can also check us out on our web pages, therealrescue.com, our Facebook page, and our Instagram page, at The Real Rescue. Again, a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember, when that star alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>